And now, for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, covering the week of media, marketing, and digital content news. This old marketing. Take it away, boys. Hello, my friends. This is Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 315 of This Old Marketing for March 17th. 2022. Yeah, it's St. Patrick's Day here, and with me, as always, my good friend, my colleague, and a guy, even though he's Italian, drinks like an Irishman, Mr. Joe Polizzi. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Happy St. Patrick's wear- Day. I, I'm. A Are you wearing your green? Big, no, I'm wearing orange. Are you kidding me? What? <laughs> I'm wearing orange. That's the Italian version of green. I'm wearing orange yeah. and green. I'm a big fan of this holiday, um, as you know. Orange and green is not a good look. I, I'm just going to Well, yeah, say that's it. because that's like, that's Miami U, right? Is, isn't, mm. that, isn't that their color? That's true. That's yeah. a, yeah. And I'm yeah, not there a big, you go. yeah. I'm not a big Miami fan. I mean, all, all love to people in Florida, but whatever. I love this holiday. Uh. But you need to know, I don't even know if you do know this, I am 12.5% Irish. So I am all I get, I get all 12. I get all 5%. the benefits. I, see. I get all the benefits. I, Everybody thinks I'm full Italian. I am not. I am fifty percent Italian, and the rest is just a Heinz fifty fifty seven cacophony of wonderfulness, uh, including <laughs> including <laughs> Irish. Are you Irish? Yeah. You're not any Irish. I'm not. I, I I I there is. I have a tiny bit of. Uh, this is. There's so many weird jokes here. Um, I have a tiny bit of Irish in me. Um, oh God, <laughs> just the jokes just are right. To, they're right just, there in my head. You just but need my, to move on. From, from my 17 year old is giggling right now. But okay. So uh, yes, I have most of. Uh, I am primarily Scottish and English. Actually, um, my my grandfather actually. Uh, and that whole side of my family from my mom. My mom is actually, as I like to say, she came over with the Beatles. Um, she came over in 63 um, to be a nurse. And so, yeah, that whole oh, side of my family yeah. is pure 100% Scottish, um, which is why I come naturally to my Sean Connery. Um, and um, uh, and then my dad's side was English and German. So, Got it. So I'm, so those three. So no Irish. And, and, and it would make... I, I think I've said this on the show before. I actually prefer Irish whiskey um, to Scotch, uh, and it would like knowing that my mother is rolling over in her grave, and my grandfather is certainly rolling over in his grave. It it they would I I would be slapped in the face for that. I they they there's no way. But I, you know I can't. The heart wants what the heart wants, and so I I just yeah like I. I but but let's go. let's be honest. You'll drink both. You're, you're oh, I'll not, drink anything. Yeah, yeah there's not I mean, I'm not terrible. Yeah, <laughs> let's be clear. I'm I mean, you're not. you're a fan of all the spirits. As far <laughs> yes, as I all can the tell. spirits. Hashtag all the spirits. I am a fan of. Yes, but but today I will be drinking. I will be drinking Irish whiskey. Yes. I don't know what. I mean, I'm usually. I mean, you knew I've, I've been doing Tito's and tonic forever, but I've stopped doing that, and I've just been drinking. You know, a beer. Hopefully, you know something relatively interesting besides Coors Light. Yeah. Yep. But uh, but today is a special day, so I'm not quite sure what oh, we're going to have yeah. with our our corned beef and sauerkraut and other. Well, beer goes well with that. That's it does. for sure. Beer goes beer goes very well with that. Yeah. But um, yeah, I've been doing the opposite actually. I've been staying away from beer and wine, and because I've been trying to drop a few, and I've been sticking with tequila. So yeah, I've been um, I've been really trying to cut back on my my wine consumption, um, and and really just sticking to tequila for the moment. Yeah, I mean I, that seems like a, a great move for your health. Just moving, just go right on, just into right the onto tequila. the hard stuff. Yeah, just yeah, just dig into the tequila. You yes. know, people, we we are just <laughs> terrible. I mean, with me and my my Big Macs and the other stuff. Oh, I got to tell you a story. So yeah. And by the way, we we just you and I saw each other a rare occasion at Social Media Marketing World, so That's we can right. we can talk about that. But but I got to tell you this: I get home, I land. This is yesterday at whatever it was four o'clock p.m., and my youngest son is waiting for me because there's a brand new Arby's that just opened up less than a mile from our house, oh, and it's dear. just like Christmas for us. This is it's where the meat is, oh right? Oh my or where god! The beef all is the meats. Or what? 
Yeah. And he's waiting for so we get we get home and he's waiting pretty much to go to Arby's with me. So says I've raised him right. <laughs> and we get you know, I said He's waiting. He's waiting. To go to so Arby's. yeah, I said, Well give me a second, you know, let me get acclimated, let me get all my stuff put put away, whatever. And then yeah. half hour later, you know, we headed to, to Arby's and it's like day five of the opening. I've never been in a cleaner Arby's. It was wonderful. And of course, I had you know, my favorite beef and cheddar. I've never been in a cleaner Arby's. Which is there a large sample size for that? I, you know, I'm. I've I'm, been in I'm a lot. Of, I, my friend, I, I am okay. I'm a connoisseur right. of of Arby's. I see the, the beef and cheddar. And this goes back. There's a lot of history here because when I used to stay with my grandparents when I was you know, six, seven, eight years old. Uh, we got to pick on, you know, I had my brother and sister, and every time we somebody would get a turn to pick where are we going to eat, depending on what day or what week it was. And my choice was always Arby's because I love the beef and cheddar. So, okay, this is 40-plus years now of going to Arby's. And to see a new Arby's, and the greatest thing is, this one was finally on brand. Because if you pass an Arby's, if you if you're driving, I don't know. I mean, you don't pass an Arby's. Do they even have Arby's in Los Angeles? Oh yes, okay. they have. They no, they have them here. Yes, I couldn't tell you where one is okay. because I just don't do. Well, that's fast. Yeah, food well, that's like your that, that's yeah. your issue. We don't we don't want to be yeah. burdened with that. <laughs> okay, fine. But if yeah, you, of course, those people that know Arby's know that they've changed their brand many times. It was, it was a big A, then it's a little A, then they changed the tilted the big A, whatever. And I'm and I it's it's disgruntling because depending on where you're at in the country you'll see different branding the little a the big a because they won't update them all for whatever reason well this I one see. everything was so you white. need flashcards or something you need like a, an app on your phone that has when you're in a particular region what is the current branding of the arby's in that region that's true because my oldest goes to mercyhurst in erie mercyhurst university and there's three arby's in that city, and they all have lower A. And I'm like, the what? Is it what is it? Pennsylvania Arby's is different than Ohio Arby's, but yes, it is. It is. Is the menu different, or is it just the branding? It's just the branding, and it's I very see. concerning to me. It's just because the franchisee hasn't upgraded. That's yet, correct, yes, right? That they, that yeah, they okay. have not done that. But I think that's a corporate responsibility for when you change your brand. Oh, I'm sure it's a. I'm sure it's in the rule book. I mean, I'm sure it's in the book that says you have until X date to get this. You know, your you know what together. Oh, what they and, give them twenty years. This has been going on for a no, long I, time. Well, I, I, who knows how long they gave them? I mean, it's Arby's. You know, it, this this seems like a a perfect journalistic uh, expose you should be doing. Actually, I, is to find I, out I what, think uh, that I need to write an article on this. This is this yeah. is a serious issue. Anyways, we had a great time. Uh, I would like a little bit more meat on my beef and cheddar next time. But <laughs> my son, my youngest, he got the double extra beef and cheddar, whatever, plenty oh of meat God. on his. There, there's oh no, there was no problem yeah. there. And they have a knockoff uh, shamrock shake there that uh, oh, that is mixed with Andy's chocolates. Do you know Andy's chocolates? So I've heard of Andy's yes. chocolates, yes. So he, he walks in so crazy. He walks in. He's like, I want that. And it's up on the board. I'm like, why? It's like Andy's chocolates. I'm like, okay, whatever. Get get the biggest one. I don't care. Yeah. You know. Yeah. He's he's a I mean, he's he's six foot I don't know how he I mean, I'm for those people Your that have boys never have seen grown me, I'm so not, much. It's yeah. yeah, it's it's a little it's a little disturbing actually how how much your boys have, have turned into like you know wide receivers um you know they're 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 like six nine now or something well like let's that. not I put mean, it that way but I, I believe they're both over six foot and then my youngest said yeah. it's probably like six two and this is strange because i come from a fa- family of four nine to five two <laughs> right exactly well this is my point yeah this is, you absolutely know. my my <laughs> the, the greatest one of the greatest feelings you'll ever have so i'm i'm like five eight and a half or something like that and at one time i was the tallest polizzi i went to a family reunion when i was in sicily with my dad and i i'm like i'm on the top of the world this is the greatest thing yeah. that's ever happened <laughs> you're, the, you're the tallest I'm guy the in tallest the room guy i'm like this is this is amazing. So if you need a little confidence booster, you just go and you see your your family and you and whatever. It was a great tip. Anyways, enough about Arby's and 
Italian and, and whatever. Uh, it was good to see you at Social Media Marketing World. It was, it was great to see you. To be- uh, and it was great to see a, 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 a number of our old friends. We were talking with uh, friend and family uh, of the show from going way back, uh, Jason, Jason Falls. Jason Falls, absolutely. Uh, which we saw. It was great to see Jason back in action and on the speaking circuit and and all of that. And as he was saying, and he was going, he was like, I went to a lunch with all the speakers and it was like a room full of old guys. You know, it was like, you know, there was just old people all the way around, both men and women, right? You know, all the speakers that were there just were, you know, old. It, <laughs> he was like... Yeah, it's in, it's interesting. The the audience, most of the audience of Social Media Marketing World are, are a tad younger young. than us. Yeah. So we young. tend to... Uh, you know, fill in the top f- profile line on the on the demographics. So, it, it, which is fine, which is fine. Oh yeah, but of you and I were joking nothing about wrong with the that. Fact yeah, that, that you know, people are in awe because we joined Twitter in 0708. You know, that's right. <laughs> yeah, that kind of thing is yeah. kind of nuts. But it was it was good speaking again in person. You, I mean, it was just really nice to be speaking in person and. You know, and and look, I'm not. I mean, as any frequent listener to this show understands, I'm not anti-mask at all. But I'm just going to say it. I was really happy to not be in a mask. I just, you know, it was really nice to see people's faces and to, you know, you know, and and so I don't. I certainly don't hold anything against anybody who was wearing a mask. There were a few people there, but it was really. Uh, I I it was just lovely. It was it was lovely to be sort of feeling back to normal. Again, that's a that's a really good way good way to put it. And uh, yeah, we saw some old friends, made some some new friends. Uh, I I spoke on social tokens and NFTs, and you talked about what did you talk about? I never even talked about. (laughs) Yeah, because I went to your session. I went. Yeah, I went to your session. You didn't bother to show up at mine. You're a better friend. You went to my session, and I'm walking out the door to head to yours, and I never made it. That's right. That's right. Well, because you are the godfather and you get stopped in the hallway and can't even walk down without the throngs of oh, fans stop it. saying it- here's joe polizzi um <laughs> you know i i spoke on I, I spoke on the the sort of changes that we've seen in uh content marketing and content strategy and how those two worlds are really starting to merge now that we're you know there there really isn't uh, any longer a siloed you know group doing content strategy and a siloed group doing content marketing it is it is becoming one thing in businesses and I've talked about the importance of that independent of your business size it's much more important these days to get the business communicating well in other words everything you know you you can no longer afford to have a great thought leadership program and have every other part of your content suck it just it does yep. it just doesn't work anymore. So you've got to have everything working together, and that means a coordinated approach, and that usually means getting really sharp about your content strategy. And so I gave a few examples and all of that. So it went over good, well, I think. Good. Of course, well, of course it did. Yeah. And uh, and you and I talked a little bit about this. I I was impressed with Mike Stelzner's keynote to open up the conference. I told Mike. Yeah. I told Mike. I said this yeah. is the best one you've done. And you and I have been talking about don't build, you know, don't build on rented land. Use social media, leverage it, have it be part of your strategy, but be careful. And, yeah. and in a lot of cases, that's what Mike was talking about. So to be at a social media conference, and Mike was Mike used the matrix. Matrix was the theme, and Mike was talking about the fact that you know you the, the matrix, the the robots, that these social media platforms, and we're the batteries keeping this thing going. They're using us. And you've got to kind of turn the tide a little bit. And he got really into the creator economy. He started talking about Web3, of course, that we've been talking about on this because, you know, decentralization is important. We've got to take charge of these, this. It's not about followers and fans anymore. Talked a lot about how social media is, it, you know, key is for, for branding. Do you have to do certain things? Um, you know, Instagram and everyone, TikToks and everyone else has moved to video and what that's going to do. So I was I was fairly impressed by the tone setting of that, that, you know, social media is not, the platforms is not really what we need to be thinking about with social media. And I think we run to that first, right? We're always like, oh, the platforms. Yeah. But again, it's yeah. not us. It's the creators and the audience. Platforms are a part of that, but they're not the whole thing. We need to remember that. 
So yeah, well, that's exactly. I mean, it's fed right into what I was talking about, which is you know, any singular platform isn't the thing. It's the collection of what you do. You know, is is what's important, and and you've got to you've got to create an ecosystem of you know as as your strategy because any one of those things is going to fail you and it doesn't matter if it's rented or owned right yeah. i mean it's you know you've got to create an ecosystem over time that basically pulls and you know make as i as i said it in my presentation it's it's you know you've got to build an ecosystem where people want to stay not where people want to visit and um you know in your talk i think you said you know it's about building a community and and all of that and you know it, it it's a for me, it's about building an audience that will take an action, right? To, sure. To, in other words, they'll they'll share, they'll stay, they'll comment, they'll evangelize, they'll buy, they'll do things. It is around building, you know, this ecosystem of people who will, who want to s- stick around, right? Who want to, you know, they don't want to just settle a bar bet with, you know, get a question answered on your website. They want to they want to experience what it is you do and do and stick around with that. No, absolutely. Very true. And just a, d- a data point, I started off the presentation asking the question sort of where's everyone at with Web3? So I asked the question, how many people own an NFT that. or social token? I thought yeah. it was about 15 to 20% raised their hand. Would yeah. you agree with that? Yeah. I would. I would so, agree So 15 with that. to 20%. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was still – it was small. It was a small group, but – Encouraging. Yeah, so of, of the couple yeah. hundred uh, that were there, so you you know you get the fifteen to twenty percent, and the rest were very very beginner level. So then I go through the whole thing, and I used Drew Davis's example of comparing Google Trends of Twitter over time to NFTs, and of course it just shows that we're so early days in this thing, and that's what that's yes. why I wanted to start with that because a lot of people went to the session as beginners and they feel left out. If you're like, oh, I don't know anything about it. Kind of like what we did a year ago, right? Like, we don't know. Like, what is this? Is this a fad? And you have to go through the whole thing. And is it like, you know, internet bubble? And, you know, what is decentralization? And token what? And the whole thing. And you have to just remind them, look, this is really early. This is a good time to start learning about it. And then my call to action at the end is just practice, you know? Yep. Practice. Go find some communities. Get a MetaMask wallet. Put a couple dollars of ETH in it. You know, as we said, uh, you know, I mean, I, I wrote this in an article that I just published on uh, Content Marketing Institute. I said, you know, you and I used to talk all the time about how content marketing was in the early innings, right? You know, back when, you know, back mm-hmm. in the day, right? We would, you know, 2012, 2013, we would say at conferences, oh, yeah, content marketing, we're still in the early innings here. Well, you know, and then I said, basically, if you look at that, Web3 right now, we're still in spring yeah. training, right? We haven't even, you know, it hasn't even... It hasn't even begun really yet. Well, and that's you're so right about that. And that's why I said don't get hung up on the term NFTs or social tokens or even Web3 or anything oh, like all that. All that's going to change. All that's yeah, going to change. change. We're going to call it what the application yeah. does. And the underlying technology is going to be part of the blockchain. That's okay. That's fine. Yep. It's all good. Right. We talked about, you know, it's interesting. You weren't at Brian Fanzo's session because you had to take off. But I went yeah. to Fanzo's session who was talking about NFTs. And he was just brainstorming some things that will be NFTs that you've never thought of. And he talked about people's um, off days, that people get days off from work. He believes that those will be NFTs, where the company will actually give you, oh, you get five days off a year or 10 days off. We're going to give them to you as NFTs. And then you own them. They're your days off. And then you can do whatever you want with them. If you use them, it's tracked on the blockchain, so you get rid of all that back office stuff. If you want to trade them to somebody, gift them to somebody else, if you want to sell them to somebody else. And I'm like, I don't know if that's going to happen, but I thought it was a really good use case for thinking about it beyond we think about you know overpriced JPEGs and art. and things. You're thinking, okay, yeah, I could see that actually happening. Or somebody would say, yeah. And because he's such in, fans of such into ownership. He's like, they're my days off. Like, give them to me. Let me use them for how I want to. Like, what if I can't use them in a year? Can I sell them to somebody? And I'm just like, it's a different. Yeah, that's fascinating. It's fascinating yeah. to even think about that because I don't think anybody would ever think, oh yeah, those are my days off. Like, right? And how and how you could do that across companies, even right? I mean, you could you could even you know if you had two companies that agreed to align on the same, basically. 
idea, right? You know, in other words, to respect each other's quote unquote currency, you could, you know, you could sell it to, you don't have to sell it to another employee at your company. You could sell it to an employee at somebody else's company. Isn't that nuts? Yeah. I mean, that's almost getting to the point where right now where we're getting is if you have a weapon or a skin in a game, you know, for the, since the dawn of time, you could only use that in the game and you, you, there was no, you know, you're not, it's not your property. Well, now you're getting to the point where you do something in one game. Oh, that that's an NFT. That weapon or that skin is an NFT. And I can move that from Fortnite to Final Fantasy to whatever, right? Right. And it, it, it increases in value because you can do more with it. There's more utility. It, it We just can't fathom what this actually means. And I think everyone... I talked to somebody afterwards who he he was the guy that raised his hand and said he'd never buy an NFT. And then I talked to him afterwards. He said, hey, I, I, I might I might buy one. And, I, and he said <laughs> he said, yeah, I have to get past the what the media is telling me what an NFT is. Because I didn't know. You know, you don't you right. don't know that it's a lot about utility and tickets are going to become NFTs and what that really means. And it's really about somebody actually owning something and being able to do more with it. And you have this digital property and, you know, think about how much digital property you and I are going to have in five years. Right. Well, it doesn't even have to. I mean, you know, we'll, well, we'll get to this. We'll get we'll we'll get to the because we're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about the NFTs. And the hey, I already started the show. In a bit. I don't I started yeah, I mean, yeah. by myself. <laughs> well, what else is new? I mean, I thought you were really. just going to wrap up the show because we've already done enough. <laughs> No, go ahead. What are we talking about today, Robert? We have a wonderful show. We have a wonderful show. As you've already started to experience, Dr. Polizzi, he's already well into the Irish whiskey at this point in beer. Um, we do have a wonderful show. We're going to talk a little bit about HBO and Discovery uh, and what's going on there and some fascinating trends as it pertains to uh, big media, as it were, then yeah, we will talk a little bit about the NFTs and the metaverse. They're not slowing down. There are new brands coming on every day. And Instagram just made an announcement. Um, Mr. Zuckerberg made an announcement on that Mm -hmm. score, and we'll talk about that. We'll talk a little bit about podcasting and how advertising spending is actually up. But interestingly, in specific categories, uh, talk a little bit about that. And if we have time, um, there are some interesting things going on as it pertains to tech companies and media companies and agencies and stuff we talk about going on with the Russia and Ukraine, which, of course, continues to be an awful, awful, yes. horrible thing. Um, but we can talk a little bit about the impact there. But if not, we'll just leave those for the show notes. I am going to have some commentary. It's not really a rant or a rave, but it's some commentary around Nielsen, um, as I often do, and some interesting developments in the Nielsen story. And then Joe will be talking about Board Ape Yacht Club and their recent acquisitions. So chock-a-block full of stuff to talk about. I hope we get to some of it, actually. I hope we actually do get to some of it. Well, let's just jump in. let's do that. Let's just jump in. Um, So the first story we're going to talk about is coming to us courtesy of Variety, the Daily Variety, as it's known here in uh, local La La Land. Um, We talk about the Daily Variety, and the headline is HBO Max and Discovery Plus will be combined into one platform, surprising exactly no one (laughs) um, that has been following this story uh, for a little bit. Discovery, says the article, which is about to become Warner Brothers Discovery, within the next month when its merger with AT&T's Warner Media closes, has confirmed its plans to combine its current streaming service, Discovery Plus, and Warner Media's HBO Max into one service rather than offer the two platforms as a bundle. This will certainly make Joe Polizzi's bet on HBO Max probably come true uh, because that will immediately up the number of subscribers. 23 million uh, subscribers. Yeah, or something like that, right? Discovery CFO Gunnar Weidenfels, that's the most German name ever, uh, who will serve as CFO of the newly combined Warner Brothers Discovery, said Monday during the Deutsche Bank's 30 annual media, internet, and telecom conference that Discovery is making preparations to combine the two streamers, marking the first time the company has actually revealed its post-merger strategy for Discovery Plus and HBO Max amid speculation they could remain solo platforms with the bundling options. Now, why does this matter? Um, because, well, this is going to, I, you know, the article goes on, by the way, to talk about some of the financing behind it and some of the pricing and all of that. I think this may create the, this may give Netflix a run for its money. What do you think? 
I, and well, you know, I've been a HBO Max fan. It's interesting to read this article, and they're they're really position HBO Max as an event driven um, content company versus dis- the Discovery here, which is more of the regular programming. Right, but, and, and that's a really good way to look at it. And if you looked at so you go on HBO Max. I love how they do the the release early releases of the shows of the you know the big movies, but they do not have the regular content stream that Netflix has, and I think it's a problem. And I think it has been a problem. It's actually a problem for Disney Plus as well. the 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 regular content keeps people back, coming back more and more. And when you only have a movie every week or two weeks, it's a problem when you're competing against the Netflixes of the world. So I think that this might, I mean, do you think this might solve some of that because of Discovery's regular programming that they have, that people can actually go and get this? It's a new programming every day type of stuff instead of every week. I think it's going to change a little bit of, you know, so right now, if you think about, you know, look, HBO, since the dawn of time, has always had the, that's where you go to watch movies, right? It's, it's. You know, it's it's HBO, and that's where you went to go see special movies and 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 things that you know. And increasingly, over the last five or six years, some series, you know, sort of for yeah, forward leaning series, Game of Thrones, Sopranos, uh, those kinds of things. And so, I think this changes that calculus quite a bit. And you know, Discovery was always the place where you go watch, you know, <laughs> you know the aliens are eating my brain and the history of that right you know it, it used to sort of you know discovery changed its programming quite a bit over the last 15 you know discovery used to be science and uh you know you'd go there for wildlife shows and you know attenborough and all that kind of thing and then as it sort of morphed into you know the sort of a little bit more let's call it uh clickbaity type of mm-hmm. television programming and then, you know, it, they got into home improvement and all kinds of things, right? So I think it's going to change the calculus of the... So I think it's a perfect merger because the audiences are very different. So it'll be very, you know, it'll be accretive from the from the audience perspective. And I think it'll be huge. I think the interesting thing to me is what's going to happen now with AT&T. Um, you know, because now that they've pulled this off and pulled it in into AT&T, there's, you know, they've been talking about spinning out Warner Media forever. Um, and, you know, they're trying to do that. Um, and they're in the midst of trying to do that. So I think it, it makes it So you it think that this, really you package these time. together, spin off Warner Media, sell it as a, or like a new IPO or sell it to somebody else? Is that kind of what we're thinking? That's right. That's right. That's right. You know, I mean, it just shows again that AT&T is just not good at this. Um, you know, but they're, they're, We'll we'll see what actually is going to happen here, um, but the question is who who where does it go right you know does it become its own thing or does it uh, does it get acquired again right does somebody like you know I mean does somebody like Comcast come in and and yeah. buy it all up or you know does 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 it get acquired yet again it's it'll be you know there was a fascinating statistic. Um, I heard the other day uh, when I was listening to. Uh, have you ever listened to the the podcast? The uh, I think it's called Break It Down or Business Breakdown or something mm, like that. So. It's uh-uh. you know, it's fascinating. They were actually talking about HBO and they were talking about HBO that HBO as a company has never existed as a sole company. In other words, it's never existed on its own. It's always been part of a. Uh, it's always had a parent company. So it's never been, despite how well it's done over the last yeah, which is remarkable. fifty years. Yeah. It's just remarkable that it's never been on its own. It's always been part of a larger organization. So, uh, yeah, fascinating. I, stuff I think that what re- reading this, looking at the news, looking at all the over the top uh, different companies you're having, and and these new streaming networks, I think you're going to see more and more of this consolidation. You talked about it, I think whatever a couple of episodes ago where you it just yeah. always happens in television you know you know we happen with cable you get all these stations and then people start buying each other up and then you have more stations and they get well now we've had all these you know paramount plus and you've got the discovery thing and and peacock and god knows what else we've got out there and then i i think you're gonna see oh these things are gonna start 
working and buying each other up and partnerships where you're going to have three or four major ones. So you've got Netflix. Yep. Hulu's next, by the way. Hulu is next. Well, it's that will be. It's the next in, yeah, it's interesting to see what's going to happen with that. And, and Disney owns the majority of that, or will own the majority right. of that. So it's interesting to see if that's going to be part of of Disney Plus, whatever Disney Plus is. Yeah, it's just everybody's repositioning. Like, what's going to be that big player that you're going to get all this information from? And I, there's going to be, just like everything else in every other industry, there's going to be three or four players. Yeah, and we've we know yeah. that we know Netflix and we know Disney, and we think okay HBO is right there, great. What does that become? And then we then we only have to pay. For, we don't have to pay for seventeen services now. The the relevance to this, by the way, for for our audience, is that it's a yet another. So what we're starting to see is a true trend now of big walled gardens being yep. built, right? So you can count Google in there, you can count Netflix in there, you can count Facebook and Meta in there, and we'll talk about Meta and Instagram in just a moment, and you can count, you know, just, and then you can also look to big media as well, right? So you can look to Warner Media now with Discover. So what's happening is is you're starting to see islands appear, these walled gardens, you know, whatever metaphor you like, of ecosystems of content starting to appear. And it's yet another indication that what we're really trying for is for premium access to audiences and the ability to address them and address them within that because sharing of the data, sharing of that, those audiences across different platforms is becoming the competition. That's, that's where your competition is. And the same thing is happening at the smaller level as well, all the way down to content creators. So the writing on the wall here for if you're a content creator or if you're a brand or, you know, where or something in between, you should be thinking about how are you building your walled garden, right? How are you building a, 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 a sort of island of where people want to stay, where people want to stick around, just like we were talking about a few minutes ago? It's so interesting. I had a conversation, I can't tell you who it is, but with a, a executive at a tech company and was talking about this exact thing that we're talking about right now and how important it is to uh, get access to these audiences and do so by creating or purchasing. He was saying, he was talking about his own company and saying, I can get, you know, my valuation is, you know, 5x to 15x times revenue because I'm a software company growing, whatever. I can go out and buy media for maximum one to two X revs. Yeah. And he's like, what an amazing use of my cash flow to go out <laughs> exactly. and buy these things. Yeah. So you got to think this is just one, another, just another data point. But take this and look at what we're trying to do and build audiences and go whatever. And you've got big software companies that are trying to figure out where to put their money. And they also realize finally that they want access to these audiences and how important that is. I, I the, the dam's going to break loose pretty soon. On some, and it already has. Yeah. We've talked about a lot of these deals. Well, but. I, I think it's a fa- that, that is such a fascinating point because just to break that down for a second, basically what you're saying, and this is I've, I've seen this myself, which is <clears throat> if you're a tech company CEO – and you're getting a 5x valuation on your company right now because you're a tech company, and you go out and buy a profitable media property, that accretive revenue, that, that a revenue that comes in and start already adds to your bottom line, maybe maybe in a, in, a, in a bigger profit margin, maybe in a smaller profit margin, doesn't matter right now because the story for the finance world is that because you're part of a tech company, you bought this thing for 2x revenue or 1.5x yep. revenue, and it immediately becomes 5x revenue on your That's bottom exactly line, on your spreadsheet. Right. And so That's, you've yeah. immediately, tra- you just literally by transferring ownership, you've changed the calculus of the money. And boy, that makes all the isn't sense that, in the world if you're a tech company something? to start buying up. Yeah, of course. It, but now... I don't think it's going to last. I think that's going to, you know, that the, the, the opportunity, there, there's a window here that's going to close because as this becomes more mainstream, the, you know, Wall Street will get it, right? Wall Street will, and the finance, and venture capitalists and private equity firms, they'll, they'll, they'll start, 
they'll start getting it's the same way I I I faced this I I I lived this in the very early days of cloud. You know, I often say that when I got into the cloud computing business in 2000 and 2001, you know, Salesforce was barely sort of breaking the surface of, you know, showing the cloud was cool. And we were an enterprise software company that sold a cloud system. And we were, you know, I, as I like to say, we were cloud before cloud was cool. And, and, and you know, it, it was impossible to have these conversations with private equity people, with VC, with Wall Street investors to say, here's why it's a better revenue model. And I know it seems hard to believe today, but they didn't get it. They were like, no, 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 that, this, this is a, not a good, you know, and you showed the growth, how the growth went up over time and, you know, how it basically, you know, increased over time. And the curve was unlike sort of the, the traditional software sales curve, which is very, very quick hockey stick, right? You know, because you sell a bunch of installed and your, your revenue goes boom, because you get all the money up front, mm-hmm. right? You get all your money up front for, you know, selling a million dollar piece of software instead of a, you know, something that costs $10,000 a month. And so it was really hard, especially for those uh, finance people to understand the transition, right? When Adobe made the transition from installed software over to cloud it was a painful process for them, and it's still a painful process for many of these software companies. But they will get it; they they will ultimately get it. And so I think I think we'll see a similar thing here happen with media companies and tech companies as they start to bring these two things together. I, I, I mean, I think in the next five to ten years, there's going. Yeah, what do I know? <laughs> I just think there's going to be much fewer standalone media companies and many more media companies that are owned by big tech companies. That's right. Oh, for sure. For sure. Well, I don't know about for sure, but you would think that that would make sense, and it should happen right about now. Well, whether it, it stays that right way. Now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, that's a good point. Yeah. I mean, but so few listen to this show, actually. So <laughs> if they would just listen to this show, they would know. They would know the good advice. If there we were get. more listening to the show, then we would see some of these things happening in more frequency. We would actually not. make some money. If it, it would, be, it would, it would like be really cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What else we got? We got some fun stuff to talk about when it comes to NFTs, content, and the metaverse. The big story, of course, breaking this week at South by Southwest is uh, all the things that Mark Zuckerberg says. Um, And he says, NFTs are coming to Instagram. Uh, This article coming to us courtesy of TechCrunch. And and it opens up by saying, Meta wants you to mint in the metaverse. And I'm sure that writer is so proud of his little... Uh, opening line there. I just, I'm just so pleased with it. Anyway, the article goes on to say, in a conversation to South by Southwest, Mark Zuckerberg announced that his company plans to introduce NFTs into Instagram in the near term. While the Meta CEO and founder didn't offer a ton of details, he characterized the integration of non-fungible tokens into the company's photo and video sharing app as something on the way once Instagram team works out some of the technical challenges. We're working on bringing NFTs to Instagram in the near term, said Zuckerberg, in a conversation with Shark Tank's Damon John. So um, I definitely have a quick take on this, but we'll, we'll, I want to get yours, Joe, but quickly we'll pair this with a couple of other stories here of brands. The one coming to us courtesy of Marketing Dive, where Acura, the car maker, is actually getting into its first virtual showroom with NFTs. Um, and they're inter- as the article says, they're introducing the 2023 Integra model with the launch of its first NFT and opening a digital showroom in the metaverse, becoming the first automaker to do so, according to a press release email to Marketing Dive. The first 500 customers to reserve the car can c- claim a limited edition NFT designed by artist Andreas Vonerstedt. Um, and then the Lacoste, the clothing, the fashion brand, has now opened its own world in Minecraft. Um, the already existing metaverse of Minecraft and creating a sort of branded set of co-branded Minecraft and Lacoste uh, clothes. So now you can get your IZOD shirt um, with uh, with uh, a Minecraft logo on it. So all of this together, <laughs> yeah. what do you think? What do you what do you, what, how do you what do you think about all this? Are, are we starting to get into peak hype here, or is this actually turning into something? Well, I have useful? a couple takes on it. First, the Lacoste thing is fine. That's that's cute. Good, good for them. Um, 
yeah. The, there's, I mean, yeah, it's just it's a brand new yeah. deal. It's it's all good. The right. the the thing about Instagram making that announcement and actually Brian Fanzo on on stage uh, while we were at Social Media Marketing World, he talked about this and said, "Oh, here's you know this NFTs are going to be big and Mark Zuckerberg's all behind it." We've had this conversation, Robert. Why is it necessary for Zuckerberg to go put out that oh we are we're going big with NFTs and Instagram and have no plan or no idea? I mean, is this really the John F. Kennedy we're going to the moon thing? Like, why does everybody have to say we're going? Why don't they just do it and not announce it ahead of time? What I, I just it just frustrates me because this so everything takes well, everything about Instagram. I mean, if you're Mark Zuckerberg, you could use any 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 amount of press right now is I, that's not talking about what a that you're either an android or that you're or that you're you know that you're violating you know some awful law. So or yeah, whatever you're saying is, it's a dist- yeah, good. you're trying to make a distraction, a head fake, yeah. whatever. Uh, yeah, that's fine, but it's. To have no idea, like this doesn't tell me anything about what Instagram is going to do with NFTs. I'm, I, I have no I, clue what they're going to do. I have an idea. Okay. I have what's an idea. idea? I, and, and, I, and the idea I actually got from listening to that wonderful interview with, um, which changed my mind completely about Beeple, by the way. Um, and I don't know his real name. Um, I, I, it was said, and I can't remember it off the top of my head. Um, and um, uh, it was a fascinating interview with him. And he actually talked about, he predicted, he said, I think Instagram will be the next one to launch NFTs, um, and all they have to launch really is a buy now button on the, on, on, okay. on the Instagram. Okay, right? I could see that. So you basically, you post up an Instagram post, and there's a buy now button, and you buy it as an NFT, right? You buy that, that little image, or yeah. you buy that thing. And now the question is, will it have anything behind it, right? Is it literally just an overpriced JPEG, or yeah, in but this case, whatever format the... It's- the, the images on Instagram or is there, or can you put things behind it? Right. Can you put meaning behind the NFT? Like it's a ticket to something or something. Yeah. Like that's that. where I'm because that the buy now button is small thinking. That's, that's something they could do tomorrow. No big deal. Of course. So I'm looking for something big. Like what does this mean? And yeah, I, I especially with Instagram saying that they're not a photo sharing site anymore, that they are all in on video. So, okay, well, then we're going to go back and use the, like, what are we doing? I guess my take is I would rather have somebody say, here, we're launching this. Here's the thing. Wait, wait six months. I get your thing about the press, whatever. The the idea, the accurate thing, which I had a lot of conversations with, with people who were asking me about NFTs and brands at the event. And I'm like, this is just all, they're just trying. They're just trying stuff. A lot of it's buzz. There's no meat behind it. Here's where I think Acura lost out. They say the first 500 customers to reserve a car can claim their limited edition NFT designed by, you know, get the get the art NFT. They should have said they sold 500 NFTs, which basically gets them the car and gets them all these benefits to the car. Like, why right. did they, they made the right. NFT about the art? The NFT is about access to getting this amazing car. Exactly. So they totally missed it, in my opinion. And yep. That, yeah. They, well, they missed. They buried the lead, right? But I they, mean, they're not thinking. Yeah. I'm not saying. Who knows? I mean, they're doing great stuff. I mean, they got the whole thing in Decentraland and whatever. But we're, we're, our, our first instincts seem to be going to the art, which is fine. There's a lot of great art NFT projects out there. I love, you know, we'll talk about CryptoPunks and we'll talk about Board Ape later and whatever. That's fine. But if you're going to do something like this and say, this is, this is 500, this is like when you're coming out with the Mustang, right? It's like, oh, we're, okay, the must, Mustang's not ready yet. 1964, 65, whatever it was, but you get this NFT. This is the car. And it means this. And yeah. then when you're ready, you go into your dealership and you have the NFT and you get your car. That's right. Not and in the meantime, and in the meantime, before the car is available, right? In the intervening ten or twelve months, you could sell that NFT, right? You could, yes. you could, you know, you could sell it to someone else, and they get act, you know. So you know, there was some statistic around, you know, uh, Teslas when you first reserved your Tesla, and then you got cold feet, or you wanted to give it to someone else, or whatever. You couldn't do that. You know, you couldn't even you you couldn't transfer ownership of that thing. Well, that's 
you know, it goes back to what you just said with Fanzo talking about the days off, right? You know, if you could, if the first 500 customers to reserve the car buy an NFT, well, then they can go in and buy the NFT and, you know, it's like a ticket, right? It's like your ticket to the car. And so now I can sell it. And, And by the way, you could make it to where Acura gets a piece of that. Right, you know, if they if they sell the ticket, well, and so your first five hundred cars might might be worth ultimately when the car debuts, might be worth you know a thousand cars, right? It might be twice the exactly twice the money. Right. That these they, that these five hundred. So I mean, you're right. They they missed out on a huge revenue opportunity because I'm assuming because this is such an amazing new model. Whatever the first five hundred get, whatever they get, it's like a Shelby model or something like that. Oh, it's amazing! I don't have it yet. Tesla could do the same thing. Right. And then you're right. They sell it to somebody else. They get a percentage of that. They get a royalty percentage, 2.5%, 5%, whatever they want. They could make right. more money off of the resale value of the 500 than off the 500. Right. The art is the car. It's not the... It's not the uh, and that's where... I mean, that, yeah, it's that's... Not the, it's not the yes. design of the ticket. It's the, it's the design of the car. That's the thing that we have to keep explaining to people. It's like the, the art is not the NFT. The, the, it just represents whatever the underlying agreement or terms are. Underneath the smart contract. That's right. So we we got to keep thinking it. We're look, so look at that NFT and you see a picture. You have to say what does that picture represent? What do I get? Do I get full IP rights to doing this? Do I get ticket to an event? Do I get like in Creator Economy Expo's case? Do I get access to every event that we ever do for free? You know whatever the case is. So I'm I was so in love with this article, Robert, and I'm like, oh man, did they just miss it? And I don't fault them. I don't. No, they just. But yeah, we'll get there. Just, I mean, in six months, that's what it will be. But you know, you can be. You, you can already picture the the accurate executives. I, I I would guess that whatever agency helped them figure this out um, was sitting in there saying all the things that we're saying right now, and they all kind of you know I, I can just see the executives at Acura sort of holding up their hands going okay oh, 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 all right hold on there Sparky yeah we're we're not going that far yet we're uh, let's just let's just let's just say the words NFT before we actually go to okay all right then you know I don't know why I gave that's them a, that yeah, weird that's voice, but yeah that's kind of you went yeah. that direction but yeah but yes so again to yeah. back to your point earlier early days where this is this is where yeah. we are. I mean, I you know the 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 one thing I wanted to point out was this is a, a becoming a recurring theme for all of these brands getting in here. This is my message, and this was my main message in my article that I wrote for for CMI. Was what you can see underneath here is that right or wrong, and again, I'm not making a judgment either way. Right or wrong, right now. What we're seeing with the brands diving into this metaverse idea is is most closely aligned with content marketing. It is it is how do we deliver interesting, valuable experiences to uh, consumers to make them interested, right? So what I mean by that is so the accurate thing, the 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 second biggest piece other than the NFT is the the fact that they're opening a quote unquote dealership. Uh, in Decentraland, and where, but but what what is it you do there? Like you can't go buy a car there. You can't go actually execute a, ne- a transaction. What they've done is they've built a little game, right? They built a little content experience where you can go do a racing game and you can do all those kinds of things. Same thing with the Lacoste thing in in Minecraft. Same thing with you know a number of other brands that have launched within the metaverse recently. J.P. Morgan just opened their first virtual um, uh, a bank within. Um, I don't think it was Decentraland. I think it was the other one. Um, but basically, what what can you do? You can't go conduct business, banking business. But what you can do is go in there and read a white paper about their take on the Web3, and you can actually watch a little video of Jamie Dimon talking about Web3 and cryptocurrency yeah. and all that kind of stuff. It's all content. It's all... So content marketers in brands, if you're not the ones leading this charge, you can actually start to think about how you are actually the experts in leading this charge. Because ultimately, the value of these things, if they're going to have anything in the early days before we actually turn them into transactional products, will be the content, will be the actual content that we create. So if it's a B2B thing, it's thought leadership. If it's, you know, if it's a B2C thing, it might be entertainment, it, and vice versa, by the way, it could be either way on B2B or B2C. But that's the 
that's like that's that. the that's why I think it's so no, relevant. I think that's right. I mean, you're you're saying how do you create a new and unique experience for our customers? That's right, and that you yes. absolutely could do that. You don't. So, in other words, if you're if you're a content marketer, what I what I want you to think about is is if you're thinking about this, it's probably somebody else right now that's thinking about this, and so you need to insert yourself into those conversations because you're already doing it. You're you're already creating these experiences through your blog, your resource center, your online film, your article, your documentary, your TV show. You're already doing it. All you're doing is adding a layer here that says, what is the experience? It's in some virtual world or it's through some NFT or, you know, what is the access? What is the act? What, what experience are you providing access it was, to? It's almost like this is, you know, back in 2010, 11, 12, when you had the advertising people jump all over branded content and they're like, oh, and then you, you don't, didn't realize that in the same company, there were content marketing folks, people that were creating blogs and podcasts and white papers and webinars and were already doing this stuff. They weren't talking to the advertising folks at all. And you're like, right. oh, you need to, you know, they're going to, they're going to create some, they're, they're looking to create a distraction type content experience and you need to help them <laughs> and get them, get involved and say, Hey, there's a better way to do this. You're already doing a lot of it. Let's work together. Take some of your ad budget, throw it over to content marketing, please. Yeah, so, exactly. Exactly yeah. right. Exactly right. All right, quickly. Uh, let's see where we are. Podcast. You want to cover podcast? Or? Uh, let's very quickly. Very quickly. Let's cover the podcast. Let's talk about okay. the podcast before we get to rants and right. raves here. Um, and so, yeah, this is a a very interesting story um, that is. Uh, it's about podcasting and advertising spend, and apparently, it's like really up. Like maybe podcasts are back. You know, maybe we're out of this post-pandemic idea, and and we're now there. This coming courtesy of Media Post uh, and their Digital News Daily uh, section, which says podcast ad spend is up twenty percent in twenty twenty one, but. Media and entertainment is down, which is fascinating, actually. The top 500 podcasts across three dominant genres saw a 20% year-over-year increase in advertising revenue in 2021, said New Media Radar Analysis. The number of companies buying podcast ads rose 14% year-over-year, and 42% of those who advertised on the platform in 2020 returned in 2021. While media and entertainment continue to be among the top product service categories across true crime, news, and comedy genres, its spending levels actually decreased from the pandemic-driven stay-at-home promotional surge of 2020. The category spending dropped 18% in true crime and slightly in news and spend in comedy was flat. Tech advertising also continued to be the top spending category across genres and saw robust 50% year-over-year growth overall. The growth was driven by cellular providers who increased their ad buys by nearly eight times. And the, basically, the article goes on to talk about some of the genres that were uh, really, you know, really big uh, and ones that weren't as big. This is fascinating to me, I think, you know, because it really says that sort of the the nature of podcast is is changing a little bit in terms of where where the money is. What do you think? It's normalized. It, it, yeah, it's there you really, go. Yeah, it's a good yeah, way to put it's it. It's not pod, advertising on a podcast. It's not, is this not niche new and innovative. Thing, anything. Yeah. It's, you're not right. taking a chance anymore. It's, I mean, you, we'll, we'll actually have a, an advertiser here on in the next few episodes where we received an RFI, a request for information. You have it down and you, they put it under radio. It was right in the thing. Radio, and then yeah. they're going out to podcasts. So either right. they're okay. It's like we'll just call it radio, or they have a podcast line, or whatever. It's just do. We're just doing our advertising business now. So it's just interesting. That's what I've seen is in the last two years, completely normal. Big companies are doing it. It's almost like if you're not doing it, why aren't you? If you're a big company, um, so that's what that's what hit me. I was just like, oh my god, this is just. It's not new anymore. Yeah. It's not new anymore. It's absolutely not new anymore. You know, and it's and it's and it's fascinating to me that the the real there's sort of an equalization happening, right? The tide is sort of rising on some of the the different genres because forever there was sort of the entertainment podcasts, you know, the NPRs and the Joe Rogans and the sort of you know news shows that were sort of way at the top, and then a huge drop off to everybody else. And I think what we're starting to see now is that, just to your point, it's getting normalized, but so is the, you know, the rising tide, basically. In other words, we're not taking necessarily away 
from entertainment and media, but the audiences for uh, other genres are growing, um, it, you know, maybe faster uh, is the right way to say it. And that's that's helping to normalize where the you know the spreading out of the dollars yeah, as it were exactly no that that's a that's an absolutely good point so yeah i'm all it's right just we got uh what was it the last couple of weeks we got a couple of these rfis and i'm like oh my god are you kidding me like is this a, is this the thing now so i'm glad but i didn't expect it yeah, yeah. All right, let's move on to our rants and rave sections where Joe and I go off on a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave that makes us feel like, oh, pre-drinking on uh, St. Patrick's Day or (laughs) post-drinking on St. Patrick's Day. Uh, Let me go first because I've got something really quick. Um, It is just something I just want to call everybody's attention to because I've talked about it a lot on previous shows, you know, sort of my rants and raves on Nielsen ratings. Um, and I just found this interesting. I don't really have a take on it as yet because I'm still sort of thinking about it and looking at it. But I, but I, I, I definitely just wanted to call it to attention, which is um, it comes from the Wall Street Journal. And basically the headline that broke this week is that there's a consortium that includes Elliott Investing uh, that are going to buy Nielsen Holdings, basically the Nielsen ratings. And the article says that there's a consortium of private equity firms, but that include the major investor, Elliott and Management Corporation. They're in advanced talks, which means it's happening, by the (laughs) way, uh, to buy the TV ratings company Nielsen uh, Holdings for about $15 billion, including the debt according to people uh, that are familiar with the matter. Now, here's, here's the thing about this. The article goes on to talk about how Nielsen has been, you know, uh, you know, we talked about it on the show. Nielsen split into two companies. There was the television ratings, and then there was the other research that they do um, that they split into uh, a separate company. That got bought um, by, guess who? Uh, a major investor was the Elliott Group. And so they basically have come in and said that they're going to take this over. It should be noted, by the way, that they've been at this for the last 18 months, right? This is all sort of like, my whole point here is is that this is all part of a plan. This is all part of a plan that's coming together for them that has said, great, the first thing we're going to do is split the company into two. The second thing, we're going to sell off the research business and make good money on that, then we're going to come in and we're going to buy the ratings business, and that's going to give us the ability to bolster it up and actually become uh, be- become the ratings, you know, sort of standard again. They pulled the ratings, you know, certification out of Nielsen, you know, they pulled the rug out under at the last end of last year, but this acquisition is going to be able to say, hey, we, we cleaned up our, all of our stuff, now we're going to put some money into this thing. They're basically breaking up Nielsen, polishing it all up, and they're getting it ready for, you know, so for its debut, as it were, at the ball. I just find the whole machinations here, the Game of Thrones stuff, just (laughs) fascinating, because if you sort of read between the lines, you can see they've been working on this for two years, and and just the the pieces are finally coming together. And for those of you who are interested in the ratings game and TV ratings and research and all of that, it's just a fascinating thing because when you start looking at who some of the players are, by the way, they're also investors in who? AT&T and Warner Media and all of the big television networks. So there's there's shenanigans afoot, that's <laughs> is all I'll say. So that's the only thing. Just go read the article. It's fascinating and keep you up with it. You do love this stuff. In you absolutely I do. do. That's kind of your do. thing. Um, mine is uh, real quick. We can have a conversation around it, but this is really, really big news in not just NFT, but in, in all of business. Um, this is from Art News. This story was covered everywhere, but this headline is Company Behind Board Ape Yacht Club Buys CryptoPunks. And the company behind Board Ape Yacht Club is called Yuga Labs. I'll read some of this. Um, they made the acquisition, the rights to the NFT series, CryptoPunks, and MeBits. So Larva Labs is the company, Robert, as you know, that owns CryptoPunks and created CryptoPunks and MeBits. Uh, Yuga Labs, so Board Ape, uh, comes in and they buy the entire rights to this series. They also, with that, bought 400 CryptoPunks and 1,700 MeBits. If you do the math, that is a lot of money. 
So it's interesting. Everyone's sort of excited about this, Robert, because you've got Board Ape Yacht Club has been very forward looking, lots of utility, membership program, if you will. Well, Larva Labs, CryptoPunks, has been very, you know, they don't do much to it. And they don't have a lot, they, you don't get a lot, as many rights as you do with Board Ape. And people are saying, oh, this is fantastic. By the way, if you don't know CryptoPunks, sort of the one of the OGs of NFT projects. The really the, the OG, OG, not the first. Think, yeah, yeah. Uh, you had some other ones, but you know, CryptoPunks. But the one that went, the, only, the first one that first went like one gangsta. one that went gangster I mean, and still know, is. Uh, yeah, yeah. To buy a yeah. floor or the lowest level CryptoPunk right now cost you about 65 or 70 ETH, was about $200,000. So not cheap by any means. So I have a couple takes on this. First of all, you're going to see more of this. Very successful NFT projects bought because they can take what IP, you know, you've got, you basically are buying an audience that, you know, owns all these things and an influential audience. And then what can you do? And Board API Club's probably done it better than anything else. But at the same time, I'm sort of torn, Robert, because you're like, okay, these are decentralized products. Can an outside company come in and then add or change benefits? Yeah. So that's where I'm torn, yeah. right? It's like, because that's exactly what it is. Everybody's excited. It's like, great, Yuga Labs can do this now, but really, can you go back and change things that are written into the contract? No, you're not supposed to do that. Can you add? Sure, you can add, but they're not written into the contract. So I'm I'm sort of torn by it. I don't know what to make of it. I just know that this is going to happen more and more, and it'll be interesting to see where things go. It seems like Yuga Labs, are, I mean, they they know what they're doing. The two founders, crypto enthusiasts, they've done a great thing with Board Ape, and and I'm sure they're going to take this to the next level. But I don't even know if that's a good thing or not. It's a new, it's all new, it's all new worlds, right? I mean, where acquisitions happen and what happens with the community, and you know, I mean, this is going to become more and more of an issue as things like DAOs get. Yeah, could you buy a DAO? And, yeah, that's and, the question. You know, can. Right. Can you buy it? And then, and then how does that, how does that transfer work? How does the ownership of assets work? How does it, you know, all that stuff. So few have this, I mean, we talked about this with, you know, everything from creator coin to, you know, how does a creator coin end? You know what I mean? It's like, you know, I mean, or does it ever end? Or, and what happens when it ends? You know, I mean, there's, uh, it's, it's, it's it a does, fascinating it challenge. And the answer which, is it doesn't. It, it theoretically does yeah. it. the token, even if the founder who who's basically saying you get these benefits of the creator, uh, it, the, they leave or they pass away or whatever, that token still exists. You still own it. Will somebody right. else come in and start working? Yeah, it's so... I mean, it's still there. Yeah, That's you've seen the point, this with right? Rug pulls. I mean, it's not going to get you've deleted, seen it with, right? It doesn't get with rug pulls yeah. and NFTs. You've seen that somebody will create a project and then leave, take the money and run, and then you get a you get somebody that uh, bought a lot of the NFTs. They come in and say, "Well, we're going to make something out of it." And you're like, "Okay, can you right. do that?" And they'll buy them all, right? And they'll buy them all, and then yeah. they start it, right? It's well, like, they don't even have to buy them all. You know. They could just say, "This is what you get for." And but that's the amazing thing because somebody could buy an NFT. No, you don't even have to own an NFT. We talked about this a couple episodes ago. You could create benefits for anyone that owns the NFT. You don't have to own the NFT. Right, exactly. Right. You could exactly. say, like, I could, right. you, you could, we could have a, just a meetup at Creator Economy Expo just for anyone that owns a CryptoPunk. Right. right. That's right. Or, or, or Gary V ticket, right? That's if you right. own a Gary V ticket, you get, you know, you get blah, blah. I mean, I, yeah, it's, uh, so it's crazy, right? It gets complex. It's yeah. absolutely crazy. So who knows? I don't know if this is good or bad, yeah. but it's something, and it's going to be something big. It's yeah. it's a thing. It's a thing. It's absolutely a thing. All right, where where are you? Uh, what you got going this with your poem? Thankfully, you you're going to Arby's. We went to what, Arby's. What the hell's got a going on? St. Patty's Day party today. Got some people coming over. It's seventy degrees in Cleveland in March. It's glorious. Everyone is going to have a tremendous time. So, and then in the meantime, I mean, I keep talking about Creator Economy Expo. We're six weeks out. So we're we're nice. into the home stretch. If you haven't I'm registered CEX.events, you need to be there. I want to see you there. Robert wants to see you there. You, I'll be I there. Know. I know. I'm going to be there. I made my travel arrangements. We have so to I'm figure out actually how we're going to yeah. record this episode that week. But we'll talk about that later. Um, what do you got going on this week? I, you know, it's 70 degrees here as well, but uh, I, I do not get St. Patrick's Day off. I will be working today and have a bunch of client meetings and then hopefully do something. I have a, a friend of mine's birthday Aww. is this weekend. We're going to celebrate nice. that. Yeah. Aww. 
Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is it. We are signing off. Um, we're, you know, in the meantime, by the way, we talked about a lot of stuff, and we'll put all the show notes into, of course, our wonderful little website called thisoldmarketing.site. Uh, remember to hashtag us up, won't you? Hashtag us up with story ideas. We love getting those story ideas. We've gotten a bunch of them uh, over the last uh, couple of weeks, and we'll take them all. We'll take them all. Um, and if you want to dive into any of the other 300 and, well, 14 episodes, just get on over there, and also you can listen to that. I know there's some. we've been seeing some people trying to catch up from the early part of the new year uh, on episodes. Uh, but in the meantime, we'll, of course, see you next week. And remember, it's your story to tell. Tell it well. We'll see you soon on This Old Marketing.